So I got to ask the question, since it's another actor episode, what do we think Rachel McAdams' superpower is? I've been thinking about this all day long, and I've decided I think it's that she's plucky. She is the definition of pluckiness. Yeah. Like, I couldn't define plucky to you without looking it up on Google right here. But if I just had to say something, I'd say it's Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of like in Red Eye, her character being plucky. But yeah, for like the first 30 minutes, she's a plucky, like competent, you know, hotel manager. And then the movie starts. Um, but yeah, I think... She has a sweetness. I think maybe, like, when I think of Rachel McAdams, I think of the double take. You know, like, the romantic double take. She's good at, like, looking back at someone or, like, looking up with her eyes and just giving that look of, like, you know, you can tell she's, like, thinking about you or something. Like... You know, you actually bring up a good point. This goes all the way back to our first actor episode, a Matthew Good. Go back and listen to it. It's great. <laughs> uh, but uh, we talk about how Matthew Good gives good yeah. look, which is the look that you give in a romance movie that just shows all your feelings in your eyes. And Rachel McAdams is great at the female version yeah. of that. Um, I would say she's good at listening. That's probably why she's good at the double the double take, is that she's a good listener. And a lot of times acting is hard because you have to like be a good listener. Um, like as an actor, you've heard these lines being read back to you a hundred times by now. Um, so to make it feel like you're actually listening to what the other person is saying. That's a talent. <laughs> and I think Rachel McAdams has it. All right. Well, listen up, guys. We've got a good one for you today. Let's do it. is necromancer necromancer i'm shira i'm a fan of rom-coms i'm brett i'm a fan of horror movies each week here at this them there here necromancer i pick a rom-com brett picks a horror movie and then we remix those movies we turn the rom-com into a horror and the horror into a rom-com this week we are talking about rachel mcadams You know, I like the idea of us following up an actor-themed set of episodes with an actress one. We just did Brendan Fraser, and so it just felt natural to do a lady next. Yeah, and it came up pretty naturally. Um, Yeah, you told me that you wanted to watch Red Eye specifically, and I was pleasantly surprised because Red Eye, I can't remember which episode I recommended it as a love bite, which is something that you have looking to look forward to at the end of the episode if you're a first-time listener. I mentioned that mm-hmm. I love the movie Red Eye uh, and told people to watch it. 
Yeah, I feel like Red Eye came up pretty early in our discussions when this when we formed this podcast. And it's always just been one of those movies that like anytime it gets dropped or or we you know, you mention it as a love bite, it's like, yeah. Man, I really like want to go scared. back and watch Red Eye. <laughs> yeah. Like I just it's I haven't seen it since theaters. And I, it is I just the wanted definition to watch of it. underrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I thought of the call a lot. I thought of the call too. Uh, it's an underrated, very taut. The definition of taut, a very taut, taut thriller. I also was saying taut to myself a lot. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, we are already jumping in talking a lot about Red Eye. Do we want to just go ahead and say that that's the first movie? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. It's a good thing that we're doing this like this because otherwise, if this was the second movie, all I'd be able to talk about is how hot Killian Murphy is. And I'm saying it (laughs) right this time. I know yeah. if you ever listened to our 28 Days Later episode, you probably heard me mispronounce Killian Murphy's name multiple times. I hope Killian didn't hear it. But I also hope he did, because then that would mean he cares about me as much as I am right. attracted to him. God, like it is <laughs> so like it did take me back to being 16 and being into this movie and then immediately going onto fanfiction.net to see the dirty fanfiction stories people wrote in response to this movie. And I read a bunch of them. Um, oh, but I, we're, I can, <laughs> but we're here to talk imagine. about Rachel. Yeah. I'm, we're here to talk about Rachel McAdams, <laughs> not my Tina Belcher level feelings for Killian Murphy <laughs> and the fan fiction around this movie. Um, but yeah, gosh, Red Eye 2005. What a time to be alive to I think we talk about our movie our movie going youth a lot. So you saw this movie in theaters too? Oh yeah. Um I mean it was a no-brainer at the time. Like Wes Craven directed it. It I mean it must have come out, I imagine. I don't know when it came out, but it it was like a no-brainer for me. I used to go to the movies all the time. Every week I would go to the movies. Same. So it, it was the only place you could go and be alone as a kid. Yeah. Um, like as a teenager. And yeah. As and yeah, this is when I started to embrace the uh <laughs> the going alone to the movies thing. Um I feel I feel like some people feel weird about going to the movies alone, but I'm like, Oh, oh. I meant just without your parents. Like I I'm pretty sure I saw this movie with my other teenage friends, but um, but yeah, I mean, I went to some movies alone too. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, but no, yeah, I, I distinctly remember going to this movie not only with family or friends, but having a full theater. Like I probably went opening weekend, opening night, oh. and there was a full theater. And this movie just—it was really good watching it on my TV. But like having a big screen and a full theater, it does make a difference. And it would have been really cool to watch this. Yeah. On a a movie theater. Yeah. This would be the kind of thing where like 
if we ever if they ever allowed us into a movie theater to show movies and talk about them in front of a crowd i'd love to do red eye just because it would be so fun to see on a big screen and with big sound yeah all right where were we we were saying we want to see this movie in theaters yeah, this movie was awesome in theaters. What made you want to revisit this movie now? I don't I, I don't know. I just felt it was time. Something about It was time. Yeah, something about I guess Brendan Fraser. <laughs> I was secretly hoping that this could turn into a Rachel McAdams themed podcast, but I threw it out to I didn't know if there were any airplane rom-coms or if you wanted to do Killian, since you like Killian so much. You know, I actually, it did cross my mind because there is a rom-com with him and Lucy Liu called Watching the Detectives. I haven't seen it, uh, so I can't vouch for it. But don't think I couldn't bring it up whenever I want. <laughs> when we do the Lucy Liu episode. No, <laughs> Killian's just going to appear in a whole bunch of stuff, whether you like it or not. Um, No, I mean, he is like, God, I I can't look. I got to set Killian aside for Rachel. We're doing it for Rachel because she is the star here. She is not going to be overshadowed by male driven fact based logic. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! You, you, you steered the you steered us back on course. I I got us I got us back on the train tracks. Um, but yeah, what what an underrated movie Red Eye is. I I am thankful that you chose it, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to talking about it because really, you know, as much credit as I give to my boy. Uh, Rachel McAdams is really the star. She is the Sydney. She is the Nancy. She is the final girl and and the anchor that holds. She's this the movie only together. girl. She's the only girl. Yeah, no, we we it's hyper focused on her. It's taught as we enjoy Very saying. <laughs> so so let's get into it. We we pretty much start right off the bat. Like there, this is. My favorite length for a movie, which is yeah. up to 90 minutes, it's 86 minutes. So it's an hour and 26 minutes, perfect as far as I'm concerned. And it, we just start right out of the gate with this whole covering the guns in the fish thing. We know that there is this big operation that's going down. The TV's blasting the Homeland Security guy's speech. Uh, and and I just came to this movie to watch a guy terrorize a lady on a plane. You know what I mean? I wasn't expecting all of this political thriller, guns, professional hitmen kind of stuff. But we just we front load the external plot right out of the gate. So we know that yeah. more is going on than just what we see. And then cut to adorable little Rachel McAdams uh, with her, you know, 
big barrel waves. Like, like she always looks so put together in every movie that she does in both this and in, um, about time. Our other movie, she wears these really soft feminine curls and, and is in usually like formal or business attire. I'm, I'm thinking of other movies, like the movie I want to recommend for her in our love bite. I feel like I've never seen her play anyone but a professional or classy lady. So she's getting into Dallas Love Field. I'm from Dallas. I know this airport well to take a red eye flight back to Miami, Florida. And in the check-in line, she meets this handsome young man named Jackson Ripner, who's also traveling to Miami. And I thought that they're meet-cute because it absolutely 100% is a meet-cute. Wes Craven knows exactly what he's doing. And I wanted to mention this earlier, but I forgot it. You went to go see this movie because of uh, Wes Craven. I'm pretty sure that The Notebook uh, was shot and released before Red Eye. Uh, yeah, 2004. So I went to go see this movie because I saw the fucking notebook and I thought, yeah. cool, Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy are in a movie together. I want to see that. Like, that was my main draw. I came to see this movie for her. I, I did, you know, I'm still, I'm still backing Rachel here. Uh, but yeah, so she, she has this whole meet cute with him. Uh, he backs her up when she checks the guy who's being mean to the flight attendant or the, um, the check-in lady. Uh, and he invites her to share nachos and drinks with him. He manages to guess her drink, but then she doesn't well, want to give him the satisfaction of being right. So she orders a different right. drink. Well, also she rejects him and he takes the rejection very well, which I think is a very good bad guy trait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Being able to Gentlemen take rejection guys. well, yeah, is a very good bad guy trait. Because then you can you can go back later and get your revenge or something. But um, yeah, he he lures her in. He he gently lures her in. He he inceptions her. Right. He he makes it her idea to be with him. Right. Later when right. she goes up to talk to him, yeah. It's totally by accident. And I love how this movie is great with the details because it all happens very accidentally. This woman spills her ice latte on Rachel McAdams. And so then Rachel has to go or in her in this movie, her name is Lisa or Lise, as Jackson calls her. I like that he Mm -hmm. gives her a nickname. Uh, yeah. but Lisa has to go change and the outfit she changes into the wrap sweater and tank becomes relevant later too. Like they, they make use of everything and it's yeah. like, well, of course even she the, can go change cause she has her stuff with her. Yeah. Uh, even the wallet at the very beginning of the movie, it's got JR on it and you just know, just like the way it's filmed, like, you know, oh Yeah. This is going to come back. 
Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. Back, immediate. I forgot to mention that the opening montage included the wallet being stolen with the wallet photo of teenage Lisa in it. And doesn't he, like, touch the photo, too? I forgot. I can't remember, but that can't... that sounds like a... <laughs> that sounds like a, a detail that could be in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, it is a detail. Whether it, I maybe I just want it to be in this movie because I'm a creep. Right. Um, but but yeah. So so we don't we don't miss a thing. She she decides like maybe I will take him up on that drink. He's sitting at the bar. Our flight's delayed, and blah, 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 blah. like it just it just seems like uh, it, it's just an easy in the moment decision to make. But she doesn't know that everything from them bumping into each other has been preordained by this extremely meticulous plan. You know, I feel like Jackson is my favorite kind of male character in a thriller, which is the homme fatale rather than the femme fatale. He's the handsome man that you want to trust and fall for, but he's really the most sinister enemy because everybody just, you know, wants to be taken in by the beautiful face, kind of like, um, you know, what is it? Um, Elaine Delon as a uh, Tom Ripley, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yes. So, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it goes further, though, to where she actually finds out that he is her seatmate. Uh, and now it's just getting weird, right? Uh, and I like bit. the whole, I, I like the whole detail that he loves helping her with her suitcase, but he wasn't going to help that woman at all until she kind of yeah. looked at him and was like, I guess she needs a bellhop too. And then right. the lady. No, cause he's in him. game mode. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to he's he's trying to focus all on her. He's trying to box her into that window seat and remove the outside world. And the more distractions that get in the way, the more his attention is being pulled from her. So, yeah, any time he gets pulled away from her, he gives those like Killian Murphy just glares at him. He's so good oh, at being a villain. They're, they're serial killer <laughs> possessed Victorian doll eyes. Yeah, and he does like when the when the flight attendant has to excuse herself to walk by him. He just he gives her such a great glare. That's just like like ah, oh, it's so good. But then boom, immediate gear switch to go back to her, and he's he's schmoozing and laying the charm on. Yeah, but pretty much as soon as the wheels are off the ground and they're comfortably next to each other. He starts changing and it happens on a dime and she has to adjust really quickly to this change and got to give credit to Rachel McAdams where it's due. She remains really grounded as she's reacting to him, whereas um, Killian Murphy as Jackson kind of has to maintain this flat affect where he's just all business male right. fact male driven fact based logic as he says 
Uh, I love that line where he's like, you're female-based emotion-driven versus my male. <laughs> it's so Well, funny. I also think... It is really he, fun writing, though. It is so fun. He does that specifically to just, like, get under her fingernails. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, everything he does is just to get under her skin from this point on. So he knows that by saying that, he's gonna get this reaction from her that's just playing into his hands and yeah uh he he definitely has fun with the line it's a good line oh yeah no he just he he enjoys it so now he he lets her well, in. so also this reminded me of the hitcher because like 20 minutes into the movie boom like the movie's premise is in full blast and from here on out you're like where can this movie go from here and the movie delivers every step of the way. The movie just keeps delivering. Oh, yeah. It keeps turning it out because the first thing that, like, it, again, it's such a tense and fun little thriller because she immediately does the thing that if you were in the movie theater shouting at this movie, you'd say, oh, press the flight attendant button. And then she, t- yeah. she does it. As soon as he starts to really threaten her, she presses that button. And then that's when he whips out the wallet. And JR. Like, JR, you know whose wallet this is? It's your dad's. We've got a guy in front of his house who's going to kill him if you don't do what I say. And if you call the flight attendant, I'm just going to make you look crazy. Uh, yeah. And it's just, oh, you know, I love women in peril movies. I'll say that that is another reason why Red Eye is just so appealing to me, not only as a noir fan, and I think it's in that sort of great Hitchcockian thriller tradition, right? But specifically yeah. with a female protagonist that has something happening to her and nobody fucking believes her. Ooh, it's yeah. just, it's very tense and also satisfying to watch. So immediately her ability to get help from other people is, uh, may I use a fancy word, stymied. Uh, and mm. there's nowhere for her to turn. And she has to really think about how she's going to get out of this situation. So um, it, it's just, I love the little things that proceed from here because I think the first thing that happens is he has to try to make her make the call, right? I, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, just as much as lost as you uh this movie moves so fast and there's so many little details but um yeah he tries to get her to make the call and then then the turbulence the service cuts out and so but she fakes it she tries to fake it and he notices and then of course he calls her out and threatens her Yeah, yeah, yeah yes he calls her out and he threatens her And then she needs to get up to go to the restroom. And I think he agrees to let her up. But then that's when this uh, older lady who she had given uh, this Dr. Phil book to comes Uh up to her and asks for... uh, Oh, wait, no, that happens later. Okay, but I think... I think first she goes to the bathroom. She tries to write a message on the mirror. He prevents her from yeah, doing 18F that. has bomb. 
which is smart because is very yeah. smart. Yeah, she writes it with the soapy hand, yeah. Uh, with the soapy hand. Uh, she's unable to apprehend him. He makes it look like they they did a quickie in the bathroom. Uh, yeah. And then the woman comes up to her. I can't remember the order because, again, everything happens so quickly. The older woman right. who took her book comes up to her, and she tries to write a help me message to the woman using a highlighter. But at that point... Right. Killian, Killian Murphy Mur- gets distracted because the lady who needed help with her luggage comes over and he mm-hmm. really does not want to help her. So that whole time, yeah, she's writing her thing. She's furiously looking writing. at her. Oh yeah. Right. No, it's very it's very tense. Well, to everyone else, it looks like nothing is going on. It's just right. another boring flight. Uh, but there's an actual terrorist threat. Uh but uh she fails and Killian Murphy manages to headbutt her and knock her out and then slips a pillow under her head to make it yep, look like she's, she's sleeping. sleeping so that he she can took those go pills back. <laughs> that the flight attendant brought earlier. Yeah. She's just sleeping. She's tired from her family um her family event in Dallas. She she had a tragedy in the family. And so now she's just tired. She's just a sleepy lady. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just it it it's just he's he's thwarting all these attempts, but I love that she's just not complying with yeah. his demands. She's not just letting his threat stand. She's she trying can, she's doing everything do she can at every moment she can. Yeah. And even in and what's crazy, I love that Wes Craven makes it the little girl is the only one who knows that yeah. something <laughs> weird is going on. And and nobody, everybody just kind of ignores her. Uh, so once the sky phones are operational again, Lisa calls the hotel manager, Cynthia, who I've seen that actress in multiple things as well. I was like, oh, it's her. Uh, and then she has them, she has Cynthia move Keith, this guy who's going to be assassinated and his family. We didn't know there was a family until now. It's not just the, it's not just the politician. It's his family too. Uh, so the stakes are higher than we thought they were. Uh, and then she pleads with Jackson to call off the accomplice waiting outside her dad's house. Uh, but he refuses until the assassination is confirmed. And it's kind of fishy. It's kind of like he wants to spend more time with Lisa than is, you know, strictly necessary. He's like, no, no, we, 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 we're going to have to stick together a bit more until... Well, no, he needs confirmation. He's a professional. He needs confirmation that the target's been eliminated, and then he can figure out what to do with his hostage and her dad. And his feelings for her. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're getting Uh, the movie confused with that slash fiction that you were reading. No, I mean, (laughs) I mean... Certainly the fan fiction takes it to another level, but he says things to her. He says things like, I've been watching you for eight months. I know you. He's very intrusive in a way that's more than just the job. Um, And 
I just also the thing about the 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 thing about the sea breeze because he right. he brings it back multiple times. Uh, I don't. I think it's when they're in the bathroom, or maybe later on in the climax when he says, "I've been watching you yeah. for eight months, and I never saw you order anything but a fucking sea breeze." <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great delivery. <laughs> Um, yeah. He also has another great line where she says, can you stop the guy in the car from killing my dad? And he goes, I already did twice by intercepting these little tricks you've had to do. So he like puts it back. Oh, I love that. I love that line too. It it was a great, you know, there's only so many times you can deliver a dramatic, look what you made me do. Right. That was a way to do the look what you made me do. While making it so cool. Yeah. Uh, Um, But yeah, there's there's also a ton of other details. Like, so yeah, he got the book back from the lady. He he stole it from her without her noticing. But then uh, she calls her dad first. The dad, you know, her, his call gets cut off. So he, he's starting to suspect something is wrong. Oh, Um, oh, wait, you're jumping ahead. So, so she, she does she does the call she does what jackson says and your heart falls for rachel mcadams because you can feel yeah. with her just the sinking sadness of having to do having to comply with this it is an assault it's not the assault that we learned that she experienced years before but it is a kind of violation that she is forced to endure and it awakens a dormant dragon inside her no. and i love this yeah. scene because it's as At- so as the plane is coming down we're landing we think oh my god it's over she complies right. as the audience we we know our character has been defeated yeah like she's, she's been, been defeated, defeated. And as the plane is landing, she's looking listlessly out the window. Excellent performance by Rachel McAdams, by the way. She's looking out the window and she starts to talk about this scar that Jackson had noticed earlier. And she tells him that it it happened during um, a rape at knife point two years ago. So she is a survivor. She... Mm -hmm she she's experienced this and it and it affects who she is as a person like he keeps asking all these questions like oh why are you always only tied up with your work like what it is about you why are you so uh hesitant yeah. to like the way that she approaches their interactions is so hesitant um before she knows what's going on and she starts to reveal this to him and she says i swore something to myself and like a dumb man he's like oh that um that it's not your fault or i i forget what was what he yeah. said, or, or you don't have any control. Cause that's what he wants her to think that she has no control right. over this situation either. And I love that. She says that I would never let it happen again. She grabs this Whoa. pen that she got from the floor. I love that the, like they keep building up um, Chekhov's pen um with the guy the kid drops the pen she manages to pick up the pen she's holding on to it she stabs him right in the throat 
right in the throat and then just starts running through all of these people out of the plane. Well, she also, she hops over his lap to get out into the aisle. And as she does so, yoink, takes his cell phone. Very smart. Oh, that's true. She, that's a very good detail. She takes his cell phone because we learn that the kill call can't happen unless uh jackson calls the guy in front of her dad's house and the little girl who's hip to what's going on uses her luggage to trip jackson which is kind of cute um and then uh she also has to avoid the airport security and i like that she discards the sweater so they they won't see her she pretends to be an airport satisfaction specialist in the red. Like she, yeah, she just goes into business mode immediately. Uh, And yeah, it's a very tense chase through the airport. She manages to make it onto the airport tram just in time. And it's very spooky, very Halloween, her on the tram, him at the window looking at her. It's such a great breather moment because then the very next thing she does is boom, hijacks a car and she's off. She's zero to 60. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's a great breather. The tramway and and him sort of disappearing into the shadow. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a good moment. Yeah. It's a, it's an awesome moment. And like, yeah, she immediately goes into crisis mode. And also at this point in the movie, I got really excited because the head of security for the Keith character is actually a guy from survivor. And <laughs> as you know, Doug and I have been watching yeah. survivor nonstop for months now And so while in 2005, I did not recognize Colby Donaldson after watching like (laughs) over 25 seasons of Survivor. Now I'm like, oh, my God, it's Colby Donaldson. (laughs) Look at him. (laughs) Look at him trying to act. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I got got it. I got very excited about seeing Colby from Survivor Australian Outback. Uh, And I mean, yeah, he made it good for him. Uh, But yeah, she goes into crisis mode. She immediately gets Cynthia to pull the fire alarm to get the Keith family out of the room so that they won't be, you know, obliterated by a fucking rocket. Uh, (laughs) I love that these guys on a fishing boat are just waiting to pull out a rocket launcher to decimate. Like, it's not enough to just snipe the guy. We're just going to launch a missile into his hotel room. I think it kind of lacks the subtlety that I would have expected of Jackson. Uh, Right, which is so great because then we get this explosive, thrilling final moment of like the explosion goes off and then she pulls up to her house just as the guy's about to enter and rams her car into him so like not only do we have the big plot explosion but we have the personal moment of her taking the guy out and saving her dad yeah oh i love that part so much so yeah she rams the car into the house 
kills the yeah. hitman, saves daddy, but it's not over yet, guys. Because who not. shows up at the house? Not Freddy. Freddy Krueger. Not, <laughs> not Ghostface, <laughs> but Jackson Ripner. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel like it, there are some parallels between the first Ghostface and um, Jackson. At least, you know, spoilers yeah. for Scream 1. If you haven't seen it by now, shame on you. But like with uh, Billy... You know, Billy's kind of a hot guy. He's Sydney's boyfriend. And Jackson, yeah. although he isn't, um, you know, Lisa's boyfriend, he's presented as this sort of deadly, handsome male who's yeah, he's dangerous to her. her date for the movie, right? Yeah, it's he just is a, her date. It's just a bad date. <laughs> it is a really phenomenally bad date. This is no French kiss, that's for sure. Right. Um, yeah, so, so they have this fight in the house. I love when he grabs the knife off the body. Cause now it's like, now we're cooking with fire. Now this is a yeah. Wes Craven movie. Uh, I was reading through some retrospectives of red eye and some people talked about there being a tonal shift in this third act. But for me, it feels par for the course for a Craven movie. You know, I did that yeah. um, that Nightmare on Elm Street marathon in October, and it right. just it's it's all got to end in the house, right, with a knife. Yeah, and didn't we see? Were you there for when um, we saw that movie Trapped at the uh, Noir City Film Fest that always comes to town? Um, there was the movie Trapped, where this guy is trapped. constantly being chased, essentially. It's one big chase movie. And yeah, like this movie's very much a noir. At the end of the movie, this movie, like the whole rest, the whole preceding movie was a noir thriller. And so the transition into Craven thriller is not that big. <laughs> Like, I agree. The tonal shift was not that big for me. No, it, no. It, it was par for the course. You're right. It was expected and, dare I say, welcomed. Uh, yeah. And, and it's great because Lisa faces off with Jackson and she prevails. She retrieves the dead hitman's gun. She shoots him. But then he's about to kill her when dad comes to the, comes to the rescue and shoots Jackson with the gun. Uh, and his fate is kind of left unknown. He doesn't like die right there. She just kind of looks at him knowing that she's defeated him and then right. steps over him and walks on with her life because she's got to go back to the hotel and do damage she, control. Yeah. Right. She's still on the job. I think that is the most ridiculous thing is that, and it's such a, I, I like that Wes Craven respects feminine power because after having this crazy traumatic experience, she still and goes and does her job. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, like I'll allow it. Because we get the ultra satisfying thing of this whole movie. We've had her being a great manager and great at her job. And now she gets one of the most satisfying things in life. 
which is telling off rude customers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it, it is a fantasy. If anybody who is in, you know, customer service or client care or hospitality, you have a history with hospitality. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it is a satisfying fantasy to think about telling a horrible customer to go fuck themselves. And she gets to have this great moment where, yeah, after everything is said and done, a politician has just given her the old pat on the back and a wheel talk because she and Cynthia held it down. And then yeah. the rude customers come, tell her how unsatisfied they are. And she says, go fill out a comment card and shove it up your ass. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> And then it ends on this like really corny note that's also very craven to me, which is she and Cynthia talk about opening up the bar to get a drink. And she just says, oh, anything but a sea breeze. And yeah, and that's it. Does she say anything but a sea breeze or anything but a bay breeze? Oh, I think she says anything but a bay breeze, um, which I think sea breeze would make more sense. Seabreeze would make more sense, but you know, at at this point in the movie, they were like, "Yeah, print it." Yeah, <laughs> it at, at this point, yeah, at this point, we've got her telling off the customers. It's a happy ending, and she gets to go enjoy herself, and it's great. This is a great movie. Uh it really was. It is is Bellissimo. I would say, you know, you were we were talking, I think, um, when we did The Mummy about how I'm stingy with five stars and you're not. You're just ready oh, to God. give them out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm throwing the, the five star shrook in at this movie because it's great. It's great. I wouldn't change anything about it. I would also say, even though I only saw this movie once, I would bet that everyone else who saw this movie once or watched it only a couple times or whatever, the image of the camera pushing in on Killian Murphy as all the lights are off in the plane except for his, like, plus that you get the sound effect of the plane taken off. Oh, it's so satisfying. But that image of Killian Murphy underneath the light, like, that's a defining image of the movie that like I think is like low key has permeated pop culture in a really cool way. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I was looking at the poster when I was looking at the movie. It has a really cool poster where it's just the airplane seats yeah. and that shared armrest yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's gripping her wrist. And she's she's grabbing the this, arm because she's yeah, and she's afraid yeah. of flying, oh, and he's grabbing her. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome! <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah. Oh, this this movie, this movie's great. I do one one funny thing was when I was watching it, and Doug passed by. The comment he made was, "They're still on the plane." <laughs> <laughs> I yes, like, that's the premise of the movie. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like for me, that's what encapsulates this movie. Yes, right. they're still on yes. the plane. And it's still awesome. Yes, yes. There are snakes on these planes. <laughs> Keep them there. Uh, so gotta ask the question, who was your crush from the movie? Yeah, I mean, it's Rachel McAdams week <laughs> i gotta go rachel mcadams and i will say mean girls also came out before this movie i'm pretty sure 
that oh, had to have been 2004 range. or um if not around the same time but she doesn't like, even go here <laughs> it is um, 2004 so this was a yeah. good two-year period to be rachel mcadams because she does yeah. mean girls the notebook so yeah i i think that she and i'm pretty sure the hot chick too might have been around this oh, time yeah. uh but but, but yeah she's even a good showing her. Yeah, I would have known her from Mean Girls, but she's never been. I always think it's weirder that she was in Mean Girls than the fact that she was in Red Eye. Because when I saw Red Eye, that was kind of the defining Rachel McAdams performance. Is mm-hmm. like every time I see Rachel McAdams in a movie since Red Eye, I just i I compare that performance to Red Eye. Really? Even though it's always it's even though it's always a different performance, I think like yeah, that's still the same confident actress who freaking nailed Red Eye. <laughs> like yeah, she's always been a top tier like movie star. Um, yeah, I, I she, Rachel McAdams is freaking great in this movie. <laughs> How about you? Who are you going with? I mean, it's got to be Rachel McAdams. I mean, you know, I think that there is room in my heart for Killian Murphy and Rachel McAdams. And she is the star of this episode. And it was her that brought me to this movie, not Killian Murphy. I was very much in it because I was a fan of The Notebook and Mean Girls. Uh, (laughs) So, so yeah, I, I think she's great. We don't get to see her butt in this movie, but I will also say that I think Rachel McAdams has a great butt. Mm. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think we see her. Do we see her butt in About Time? We do. Very briefly. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. No, yeah, you're right. I was going to say, I'm going to have to go back and. It's a cheekier movie, this. About Time. Right. <laughs> I see what you did there. (laughs) So tell me, how was it for you to turn this into a rom-com? I had a blast. I think I did a good job. (laughs) I had what the scholar Harold Bloom calls the anxiety of influence, which means I just read too much fan fiction back in the day and I got anxious and I couldn't come up with anything that I really liked. So I just kind of threw it. Uh, do you want to just go through yours then first? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll get mine I, over you know and what, done though? with. There's a lot of times. It's been a while. But there's been a lot of times where you say this is not good. And it's good. So Well, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> I I really do appreciate you saying that. I I will say that I did stumble upon some fun stuff when I was doing the about time horror because I just kind of let my mind take me wherever it was going to take me. So right. so there was some there's some fun stuff there. That one's a fun elevator premise. This one, uh, I just it needs more work. Um, so I decided to call it heart eyes. So not pink eye, which would have been the obvious one, but the slightly less obvious heart eyes, 
because I couldn't really work pink eye into the plot and I didn't want to. I mean, I know I I've done periods and um <laughs> other body the, other bodily of... functions. Um what shit was that demons. movie called? What was the your last period? period? Yeah, the last period. I thought of that movie because I too thought, okay, red eye, I'm gonna go for pink eye. How do I make a rom com out of pink eye? And then I too was like, nope, I just don't want to. So I'm gonna actually put some thought into this. Yeah, so yeah. so we, we got a little cuter with it. So heart eyes. So, you know, as par for the course for a She-Ra horror rom-com remake, I don't want to change anything. Uh, right. So Jackson Ripner's job is to gather intelligence for a terrorist organization, but his passion has become watching Lisa, a hotel manager caught in the crosshairs of the terrorist plot to assassinate a Homeland Security official. And Jackson has been watching Lisa for eight months. And maybe we get a montage of Jackson starting to watch Lisa, maybe listening to calls and conversations between her and Cynthia. Maybe we make it a whole thing where he is just really into the friendship between uh Cynthia and Lisa and likes their girl yeah. talk but specifically really likes Lisa. Uh maybe laughs at things and drinks sea breezes with them like clink clink <laughs> to the security camera in his security yeah. van. <laughs> and he feels like a creep but he's also falling in love with the girl. So what does he do? He's torn between the job that he has to do and the way that this person is making him feel, and he hasn't even met her yet. Oh. Uh, and so I would say that an abbreviated but cutesier version of Red Eye happens where, you know, maybe he's not naturally a suit. Maybe he's kind of like a, a t-shirt and jeans guy, kind of how he is in 28 Days Later, where he's just this rocker slacker dude. But for the purpose yeah. of the job, he has to pretend right. that he's a suit in front of her. And so he gives this false impression of how he really is. And maybe he's, he does all these scary things, but he doesn't mean to seem scary. Kind of like how Donald Gleason acts creepy in front of Rachel McAdams in About Time because he knows her, but he doesn't know. Right. She doesn't know that he knows her. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so... We'll say that she does still get away, but without stabbing him in the neck. Uh, and then when they have the showdown in the house, Jackson escapes before the police arrive. And maybe Lisa tries to act like she's fine now, but she's sprung. It's flipped. She's the one who can't get over Jackson, and she needs to find him. And one of the things that he told her is that he always told her the truth. So he uses that information oh, yeah. to find out how to track down his trail. And, you know, maybe her road trip or her journey to finding Jackson has all these parts that show like proof of his devotion or unrequited love because Maybe she's not the only one looking for Jackson. Also, the terrorists are looking for Jackson because the plot failed 
and right. now he's got to go. He's got to be eliminated. No, no loose ends. But maybe there's a grunt on the terrorist side that's like into romance and he's rooting for these crazy kids. And so he helps them out. So once the stalked has become the stalker and now Jackson and Lisa are on even ground, they're both creepy for each other. Uh, it leads to a, a steamy motel confrontation or maybe a kiss distraction. I feel like a lot of romance thriller, like night and day type scenarios are built on scenarios right. where it's like, I have to kiss you to distract something or to cover ourselves from the bad guys that are coming after us. It's the kind of like tropey contrived thing that makes so many people groan, but I love it. The I yeah. have to kiss you to save you scenario is beautiful. Uh, either way, they're going to bone and it'll be hot and it'll be Killian Murphy. So there you go. Um, but of course they've got to make it out to the end. So maybe we have our final showdown, the two of them against the terrorists against Homeland security, you know, bombs going off and all that jazz. And I don't know, I would think it would be cool for them to do a night and day style motorcycle getaway. Um, yeah. But ultimately have a happy ending where Jackson does a catch me if you can and is taken in by the government as a consultant. Uh, and they're able to still remain together, still be happy together. Right. And maybe the grunt joins too is like a computer whiz or something like that. Like it's like a whole it's like a whole thing. It's like the star, <laughs> it's the yeah. it's the two hour premiere it's the of we a made series along the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that's that's hard eyes they have heart eyes for each other um i think that that when um you know like you mentioned the nickname in the uh in the movie lisa and lease yeah i think when he's spying on her only only the assistant calls lisa lease or you know and so then when he addresses her on the plane, he calls her lease and like it sticks out to her at first. But then, you know, she's like, I don't like it coming from you. She's, you know, she didn't. She's like, I only like it coming from the other lady. But then by the end of the movie, she's like, call me lease. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh. And when they're on the plane, they can have some sort of silly side bet. Like, you know, um, who was it like was Dustin Hoffman in Star Wars? Isn't that one of the things from Seinfeld? This guy purposely loses a bet by saying Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars, but they can have some sort of side take... bet thing going on. <laughs> and then when she finds him, cause she's stalking him after he escapes, right. Then she can answer right. and he can be like, what are you doing here? And she can be like, I just wanted to let you know, like, this is the answer to the question we were asking before. And it can be like a, Dustin Hoffman isn't in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And I have the proof right here on my phone. Yeah, heart eyes. Blink, blink. Blink. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm going to kind of pick up the momentum from where you left off. And Ooh. my movie is going to be called Red Alert. Ooh. And Does it have to do with only- communists? No. Well, no, we can we, we can work. That can be a draft <laughs> two kind of thing. We can work that in. Um, no, I'm going to say Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's my that's the Ooh. world that we're living in, which is this world where like assassins have either a whole corporation type team behind them, like uh, Angelina Jolie, or they're like a scrappy, lovable assassin like Brad Pitt. Um, so we have two assassins. They're working for the same company, right? We have Jack. Jack is going to be our methodical assassin in this movie, right? Because he's using male-driven logic to perform mm-hmm. his kills. So he's like Le Samurai or um, The Mechanic, if you've ever seen either version of The Mechanic. He's very methodical. But Lisa is our very improvisational assassin. So they're kind of the top two assassins of the company. And there's a big promotion. And of course, Jack this wins This sounds the like promotion. The Hating Game. I have not seen The Hating Game. But <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe we take a detour. Because, yeah, this is a good premise, right? Two assassins who fall in love. Um, oh, but also that they're working within the same corporation and they have different yeah. work styles and of one of them gets promoted over the other one. Does that yeah. make Lee's furious? Of course it does. So now she's mad yes. and guess what? Guess what? They there's a there's an enemy target who needs to be taken out on the plane and they need someone to act as a couple on the plane so they can get <gasps> close to the target and take them out. Are you giving me fake relationship right now? And forced proximity. Yes! <laughs> We're Keep throwing going. all in. Keep Red going. alert, all Keep in. going with the tropes. I love it. I feel like I feel like this is a clockwork orange and except for except in, instead of making Malcolm McDowell watch movies that turn him into like a good citizen, right. I've just made you watch all these rom-coms and now you're just giving it back to me. And now I'm me. vomiting up rom-coms. It's beautiful. Like I, I've never been more proud of you. <laughs> well, thank you. Also, as you mentioned, I have hospitality experience. I also have airline experience. So I was a customer service supervisor at Southwest Airlines. And I have to say, it's a great company, but customer service and airlines do not mix. However, there was a lot of cool kind of like airline moments, behind the scene moments that like I appreciated as they were setting up the meet cute for the, the two in the movie. One of the things that you can do is if you're a pilot, you can request to fly in the cockpit in the third seat if you need to get home somewhere and the plane is full. So you can request to go and just be a passenger up in the cockpit. So the target of this plane is going to be a fake pilot who's sitting in the cockpit, which means our two people sitting in coach have to 
find a way to stealthily infiltrate the cockpit and take out this guy. So it's oh, like, how it. is this going to happen? So our first thing is we have TSA plus the waiting area and the boarding area. Again, we've got methodical um, George Clooney in up in the air, right? He's packed his suitcase just perfectly. He breezes through TSA. She's more clumsy. Oh, he's got like, pre-check. He's got pre-check. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and then like in the boarding process, the way he boards is different from the way she boards, of course. So we get a little bit of like cutesy interaction where they're forced to like compare themselves to each other and kind of dig at each other, but they're always going to have a snappy comeback. So it's like, we're developing this tension Two, once they're sitting on the plane, they like, this is the point where they decide to go through each other's plans, right? Because of course, how are they going to kill the guy? They're each going to approach it from a different angle. So now we have the fun thing of we get to go into the genre sandbox. So as they're explaining each other's plans, the movie then turns into a different format, a different genre um kind of like what's the korean rom-com we watched my sassy girl my sassy girl there's different moments where she's like writing us a, a story or something right and we get glimpses of the story and it's like when it's an action story it's action when it's a noir it looks like a noir if it's a western it looks like a western so we have different things where they go through each other's plans and every time they go through their own plan or each other's plans, it's a different genre. So tons of fun. Then we have recon. Of course, this guy's going to have bodyguards watching his back, right? So they've got to make their way through coach and they've got to play a little bit of I spy and notice who's shady in terms of like they're just being weird and creepy and who's shady because they're a bodyguard. Oh, so please let an old of- lady be one of the bodyguards. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll have different things like the people who you wouldn't expect are the bodyguards. So maybe they even like stealthily take one or two out, you know, or or something like that. But then we have the go where there's some kind of moment on the plane where it's triggered and like, you know, they get a text from someone and it's like, you've been made red alert. And so now they're like, go mode. So now they've got to fight their way to the front and assassinate the guy in the cockpit. However, when they get through first class, it turns out everyone in first class is a bodyguard. <laughs> and no. so now they've got to fight. It's like John like Wick. Night they've and got day. to work together. Yeah, just like night and day on the plane. And all those shady people that were in the back who they pegged as bodyguards they're all hitmen, so it's like smoking aces. We've got a plane full of hitmen trying to get the assassination kill so they can collect the bounty on this bad guy. Gosh, I do like the idea of an airplane filled with killers. Yeah, and so and now then it's everybody just nuts. looks normal at first too. Right, like there's kids on the plane, and the kids are also killers. Ki- yeah. <laughs> So everyone is killing. It's crazy. We've got the CIA, the FBI. We've got federal air marshals. Um, Even the flight attendants can be like, we've had flight attendant training. And they can bust in with some martial arts or something. But of course, then we have uh, the landing. There's an emergency landing. And while they land the plane, they also team up together to take out the target. And so then the plane lands 
and they look at each other. They give each other a look. Of course, it's a sexy look. Then we cut to the next day at the company, and they're still in the same clothes. In fact, they're still, like, their hair is like Looney Tunes cartoons sticking up. They've got the black marks on their face from explosions. Their shirts are torn and stuff. But they're also disheveled from a night of super-duper sexy times. Ooh. Uh, However... Can I add one thing to the yeah, yeah, before yeah. they do the look when they're fighting off all the assassin assa- I said assassins <laughs> when I meant to say assassins when they're fighting the assassins and hitmen that they're back to back fighting and defending yeah. each other and it's all like ooh nice move there oh wow good shot or thank you in zero gravity as the plane nosedives <gasps> yes yeah. ah, that's yeah. that would be awesome and then maybe she does one of those you know crazy soccer kicks to somebody's face like what is it when the soccer player does the upside down kick? Oh yeah, the scorpion kick. Is that what it's called? I oh no 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 no. You're right. I don't know the name of it. Like I, I'm, I, I'm drawing a blank. But the one the where they go upside. Kick. Yeah, the, the one where the they cool go upside. One. Yeah, the cool one where they go <laughs> upside down to do the Shaolin soccer kick. Yeah, yeah, I think she should do that to someone's face. Oh, of course. And then that's the moment Um, that he's like, I'm so into this woman. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention, I'll get your take on this. At the beginning of the movie, I forgot to mention that part of the promotion means that they're going to leave the the company to go to a different city for the company, right? It's a transfer. So at the end of the movie, even though they've banged and had sexy times and they're they're a good couple... They also, I think, have a good, cute goodbye, which is where they have to, like, say goodbye to each other because he gets promoted and transferred. And because of this royal fuck up, the guy in charge of this city's company or this city's the branch of at this company, uh, he gets the Miami branch, the Miami branch. He gets fired. So, of course, now there's a new opening and she gets promoted. So they both get promoted. However, they have to split up. But I think it would be cool to have like a good where they're like, yeah, you know what? This is like this is this is not going to work out as a relationship. You know, we just had no a night la, of la la landing. No la la yeah. landing. This movie. Why would you la la land this movie? No, because it's a it's a cute goodbye where they're like, no, we're too sexy to be with each other with one person forever. No, we've got more sexy spy adventures to go on. Yeah, together, I want more sexy together. spy adventures. No, 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 no. We can Monogamy. do the, wait, in 20 years. In 20 years, <laughs> we'll do the the sequel movie where they they end up together after a after a a good a, a good tenure of of being with other people and having sexy adventures they end up together this is the one no. thing that i object to everything else i absolutely love from the killing and the violence to the <laughs> love uh i i love it all the one thing that that you did that destroyed me was give me a non hea ending as we call it in the romance business well draft number two i'll take the notes more communism and more (laughs) hea yeah yeah 
somehow right. the communisms are or the communisms somehow the communists are responsible like maybe this movie takes place in 1988 or something like that right. 87 i'm gonna have my hea directly tied to communism <laughs> There we go. That's that's how I'm taking the notes. They're at the Berlin Wall as it's going down, and the right. first brick falls away, and they see each other's faces. Yeah, and then like like Looney Tunes, their lips press through the br- the hole in the wall to kiss, <laughs> and then the end. We iris close the camera on their kissing lips. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I I think that's just the correction I needed. All All right. right. Well, Well, that is all for today, folks. Just want to remind you to subscribe to us, review us, rate us wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on the social medias at NecromancerPod. And if you feel inclined, you can email us at NecromancerPodcast at gmail.com. Now, on to Love Bites. What would you like to recommend this week, Brett? I would like to recommend Devil May Cry. Ooh, which one? Have you... The first one. I thought Have there, there were multiple, the right? Oh, yeah. There's there's It gets kind of Rambo territory, where, like, you know the movie Rambo, which is actually the fourth in the series, because the first one's called First Blood? It kind of gets into that. We're like, there's God of War, the same thing. We're like, Devil May Cry is also the sequel. And then there's a DMC, which is also a sequel. But the first so, one, have you ever played through any of any of them? So I'm ashamed to admit that my history with Devil May Cry is, I remember it coming out. I remember watching my brothers play it and thinking it looked really cool. And then when I tried to play the game myself, I was really bad at it. You know, I like video games, but I'm hard game. I'm not great at video games. And I discovered how bad I was at Devil May Cry. And it was very disheartening. And then I I just I didn't pick up the game again. But yeah, it is a hard game. That's what I remember. I'm glad I feel validated that you're saying it's a hard game. And I'm not just I wasn't just bad at video games. No, it's a hard, it was a hard game then, it's a hard game now. However, one of the things is D- Devil May Cry is infamously known cool. for its Dante Must Die mode, which is like, it's like, it was Dark Souls before Dark Souls came out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was this impossible challenge that you really had to know the game and hone your skills. I've never beaten Dante Must Die mode. I tried it as a kid, well, I mean, as a kid, as a teenager, I tried it. But I could never beat it. So I want to go through as an adult now and beat it. So that's what I'm doing. I beat it on normal mode. The game is fantastic. And now I'm going through it on hard mode. And it's just like the hard mode is the perfect escalation. Because it's not just the enemies get tougher. Like everything feels new and scary again. And everything feels like a challenge still. And so, yeah, Devil May Cry. If you don't know, it's about a guy who's half demon, half human, and he's got a badass sword, and he's got these two guns, and he goes around and he shoots demons, and it's awesome. 
and the character designs are great. And he's very cocky. So like the first time a, a giant demon approaches you and the giant demon's like, I'm going to squash you. He's like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to win. And then you do, you win. So yeah, he's very cocky. He's very cool. Dante from Devil May Cry, classic video game, classic character. Oh uh, yeah. Also I, I, Red Eye. I agree. Red is the color of Dante. Dante always wears red. So tied it in with the Ah, there's the tie-in. There's the tie-in. How about you? What's your love bite? You know, I've got two for you. Uh, I have been watching a show called Yellow Jackets, and I am obsessed with it. I was a very big fan of Lost back in the day. So when I heard about this show that was about a high school girl's soccer team whose plane crashes in the mountain and they descend into warring cannibalistic clans in the wilderness, you know, sign me up. And the show presents itself as kind of a horror mystery thriller where we go back and forwards in time with these girls as they're teenagers and later on as they're women in their 40s. And we're trying to unravel the mystery of what happened to them then. Uh, So as far as a female-driven story about survivors, which Red Eye also is, uh, I think that Yellow Jackets would be a great thing to watch if you're, you're itching for something that's going to give you that that female-driven thriller buzz, I think Yellow Jackets is great. And then while it does not have Rachel McAdams in it, it has some other ladies from the 90s and early aughts that we love. Uh, Juliette Lewis, Christina Aww, Ricci. Love her. Love her. Uh, and... Um, I'm trying to think who else is in the movie. A lot of the, the, I mean, not movie, it's a show, but a lot of the younger cast is also really fantastic. But Christina Ricci in particular plays just this amazing, you, it's kind of ambiguous. I, I think she is pretty much a villain, but I just love her. So how could yeah. she be? Uh, but yeah, I, I think that Yellow Jackets is awesome. It also has great music because it goes to 95 and then to the present. So a lot of the musical choices are good, you know, nineties music. And, uh, I just, I love the first season. I cannot wait for it to come back. I hope that it continues to be as good as it is now because, I really hated Lost by the end, so I I have high hopes for Yellow Jackets. Yeah, I've heard. I also have heard great. Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky is the other one who's in it, and yeah, Melanie Linsky, so good. I love her so much. Yeah, Um, I heard all that buzz. That's I, I only hear great things about it, and I had no idea what it was about. But yeah, that sounds super interesting. Watch it and then tell me what yeah. you think because it it gives good horror too. I bet, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, how would Big Daddy Mars threaten Rachel McAdams? <laughs> 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 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you, I, I watched you for eight months, and all you ordered was a fucking. <laughs> Uh, give me one second. Sonia's coming in. Come on Tell in, Sonia. I, said hi. I was worried, and then there was an open. No, that's all right. No, I I was just about to text you. Oh, good timing. You have very good tell timing. Her, tell her Shira says it's fine. Shira says it's fine. And she says hi. But she says, now you got to keep quiet because we got to do this thing. What? I didn't say that. I did not say that. She said, if you got something to say to her, you better make it quick. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.